Welcome back to the Unimposters podcast. Previously, Andy was prepared to level the mother of all segues as he prepared to investigate even more important questions about Genesis chapter 3. Well, it's funny you talked about completing things. Nice. Because I'm going to segue. Let's segue. So another big question. It's like, first off, yes to everything you just said. Second off, <laughs> um, yeah, so a big question that also influences how you see this is, are Adam and Eve, like, who, who are Adam and Eve, how are they before and after this? Like, are they, before sin, are Adam and Eve, like, perfect, or are they just sort of, like, innocent? So, the, basically, are we thinking of Adam and Eve pre-sin as children or as adults? A lot of times, we think of Adam and Eve as, like, this is everything humans are supposed to be. Sin happens, they fall, that's why it's often described as a fall, and then in Jesus we'll eventually claw our way back or be raised by Jesus back to what Adam and Eve were. There's a much older view that is essentially saying, no, they still needed to develop. Like they were, they were sinless in the, in the sense that they had never done things wrong, but they weren't, they weren't done yet. So like if you're taking a test and you're at the beginning of the test and you haven't made any mistakes, you are sinless. You have not made any mistakes. You're still going to get a zero if you turn the test in right then because you haven't done anything right either. Right. Or at least you haven't answered all the questions correctly. Whereas being perfect, you'd be at the end of the test, you did everything right. Yes. So they, they weren't completed works yet. Right. Yeah, they, they weren't at the... Uh, I, think, I, I think it was Os Guinness who wrote a book. It was called Unto Full Stature. And it was actually directly to this point of, of the idea that after, after the rescue from the sin nature, mankind is not done yet because we are, we are being raised unto full stature, which is, that's, that's actually like the biblical text, the, the, the idea of like being raised upward toward what Adam and Eve themselves would have been raised upward toward had they progressed alongside of God in the, in the way that he was leading them to, leading, leading them to be. Which uh, makes sense because remember in Genesis one and two, Adam and Eve didn't suddenly like, "Hey, Adam, now you have to go till the fields." Hey, Eve, now you now you're going to bear children. It was just like, "Hey, the thing, the, the job, like like you were saying, the job that you already had, now, it's just going to be hard now. It's it's not going to be something that is going to be a hundred percent joy." Even though every woman who I've ever known who has brought a child into this world, absolutely, like after the birth, absolutely after the birth and potty training absolutely loves after the birth and potty training and teaching them not to say the word stupid, uh, absolutely loves raising children. You know, it's like, you know, I, my, you know, yeah, okay. Uh, and like, you know, every dude that I know who's ever like grown things out of the ground loves the work of seeing stuff come out of the ground that he, I mean, like, dude, you count the number of agricultural, uh, parables that Jesus taught with, I mean, they were an agrarian society, but yeah. like the, the number of like times he talked about like seeds happening, dude, it, we're obsessed with our work, whatever our work is. And there is never any frustration when you put a whole lot of work into something like growing plants, and inexplicably, they just seem to be scrawny. I'm talking about a friend, of course. And oh. then it's hot where you live, you know, like somewhere like Texas, and, oh. and then they all die, and there's never any frustration there. Well, <laughs> I can tell you about all the frustrations I've ever had whenever my wife has left me alone for a week with all of her house plants. <laughs> <laughs> and I can tell you that the, the difficulty that Adam experienced in, like, you know, the, the moments immediately following the fall are the, dis my, it's mine, I, I kill plants. <laughs> I kill all of them. 
I'm it's not good. pretty. I like I overwater, I underwater. I like I don't know if I'm supposed to talk to them. I don't know if like, I'm supposed to let the dog. Are you supposed to play fetch with the with the plant with your dog because like that doesn't seem to ever be good for the plants. I don't know. I can I imagine it might work. Uh, she's good at it too. I mean she carry, carries it by a different stalk every single time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one of the one of the things that I, I look at when we talk about like Adam and Eve not being finished yet is like when when God is having that grand pronouncement and he uses the grand royal we or he is actually speaking amongst the person of the Trinity. I don't know. Is at the, at the, the heavenly court or Oh, yeah, or like, or like, you know, like the many, 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 many angels that he is consistently and constantly surrounded by, uh, whatever. Or it's whatever. like he says, we, yeah. but we're going to move past that because there's a much more important moment there, which is that exactly. he talks about the fact that, that they had not yet eaten from the tree of life. And if they hadn't yet eaten from the tree of life, that means that they weren't ready for it yet, or he hadn't he hadn't given it to them yet. It's not. I don't think that the tree of life hadn't made its fruits yet. And we see that tree of life show up uh, at the very end, the the other end of the book, where we see the the tree of life over a big old river, and like you know, it's it's. He means at the other end of the Bible in Revelation, not at the other end of Genesis. That's it. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, like the the big big book, uh, the uh, in the book of Revelation. We see the tree of life show up again, and it's like, yay, we get reunited with our old friend here. But for whatever reason. Adam and Eve had not yet eaten from the tree of life. And so that means that it was not time for them to do it yet. It's like they, like, you know, you look at the analogy of a person taking a test. Um, you know, they hadn't handed in their test to be graded yet to, to get that grade. And so that, that reward of whatever it was, whatever it was going to be, was now withheld. And that, that's what the sword was there for, so they couldn't sneak back into the garden. Not so they could get to the good soil, not so that they could get to like, oh, this used to be our home, but because God said that's where the tree of life was, and they, they no longer had access to it. Yeah, and at some point, like at, at some level, we're basically going to just leave Genesis 3 more or less here, because the bigger question of of what kind of God is this? Is this the kind of God who is just kicking you out for no reason, or is this a loving God? Like, is not supposed to be answered in Genesis three. Like, you get you get hints of it, but the, like you said at the beginning, the whole point is this is where you start getting tension. This is where you start getting problems, and like, how is God going to deal with this? How are people going to deal with this? How how is this relationship going to happen? Is this God going to turn out to be just like all the other gods who? who when their people like disobey and, and act badly, they are destroyed. Like that's kind of the point of the rest of Genesis and then the rest of the Pentateuch and then the rest of the Old Testament and then the rest of the Bible. Like the whole point there is that you're seeing, okay, how does God react to this? And you're, you're getting a better and better feel for, as we might put it, like what sort of guy is this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, you know, if one of the big assertions we make about God, about Yahweh, about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is that he is love. He is loving. He is a loving God. And I, I, I see echoes of this. It's, it's much, much more explicit. And we'll talk about this when we get to Babel. But it's explicit about not wanting mankind to persist in eternity in a broken state. And the idea that, like, it's actually love that stops... Adam and Eve from eating from the tree of life 
when they had just made that sinful choice whose result would be, hey, your work is now going to be awful. He did not want them to persist in that, in that you know, eternally and perpetually in that brokenness. And so I, you know, for me, that is, that is a, it's a shadow, it's a shade of the effect of his love. It's a hard love, and it's one that's like, it's kind of hard to, to take on there. Yeah, Lewis has an analogy like that where he's, he says, if you, if you live only 80 years or something and you break your arm regularly, then it's not really a big deal. But if you live forever and you break your arm regularly, eventually that arm's going to be so mangled you can't do anything with it. And he, he sort of is saying, he's saying the same thing you just said, right? He's saying, like, if God allows people to live forever in that state, it's not... That, like that's not actually kind because they're going to end up so mangled that they're just in constant pain. Yeah, it's it's the the, the monkey's paw uh, expression of like getting the wishes and saying, I, you know, I want to want to live forever. I want to be, you know, and then like then suddenly like getting trapped at the bottom of the ocean. Like, wow, my forever's not what I was hoping for. This isn't very live, laugh, love down here, man. The Oracle at Delphi. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's granted yes. eternal life, but not eternal youth. So yes. she continues aging forever. Right. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> and anybody who's ever like, hey, let me tell an awful story. What do you want out of life? I want to be perpetually healthy. I will ruin it for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's funny because like that's within our nature and our grasp to say like, let me find something good and ruin it. Uh, and, and, and for God, he's like, I, I don't want to ruin eternity for you. I want you to actually have it perfect. But we're not there yet. Nope, like we're not in, there. Gen- in Genesis 3, like if you stopped after Genesis 1, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, you don't get, you don't get that. You get, no. you get hints of it. You get, you get sort of, well, hints is a good idea, like a good word. Like you get hints of it when God, despite kicking them out of the garden, makes clothes for them. Yes. Like you get hints of it in that God's punishment does not completely remove their ability to be human. Yes. It makes it harder. Like, and, and you can argue whether or not God was actually punishing them or not, or whether their choice to do sin was what was actually making it harder and God was just identifying that for, problem for them. But either way, the, like the point being that if, if you stop here, there's a reason there's the rest of the Bible. Like, if yeah. you stop here, you don't actually get the purely loving God. Yeah. If you, if you stop at the end of chapter 2, it's like, yay, la-di-da-di, we're in paradise. And, and you stop at the end of chapter 3, you're like, oh, my back hurts. Speaking of ruining things. Oh, yes, yes, let's, let's ruin something. Excellent. The transition from chapter 2 to chapter 3 is so awkward that I had to figure out why it was there. Oh, no. <laughs> so chapter 2 ends, The man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Now, the serpent was the craftiest of all the beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. <laughs> okay. Because you know, perfectly reasonable segue there. Speaking of which. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, that bothers me. So I had to go figure out what was going on. And you asked me to tell you when there are dad jokes in the Bible. Yes, I did. I asked it's a dad that. joke. <laughs> it is not. It is. What? So, so naked is uh, arum or something like that. And crafty is like ar- arumim, I think. I'm, I'm trying to recall Hebrew vocabulary that is not a word that I'm familiar with. So work with me here. But yeah, so like in English, it would be something like, now, the man and his wife were naked, and they thought they looked sharp. Speaking of sharp, the snake was the sharpest of all the animals that God had made. Oh my and gosh. I mean the smartest, guys. And, uh, yeah, so, dad joke oh, for geez. the win. 
Oh, so it's like the world's cringiest transition? Indeed. Oh. <laughs> yeah, like that that oh. Next Dang. time you make a dad joke and your family gets onto you, say, I'm just being like the Bible. I'm just being a biblical man. Exactly. I, that's, that's, I'm just being a man of the word. That's what there I'm we, saying. There we go. It's that's seeped into me so much. <laughs> this is how I transition. That sounds like a septic system. <laughs> it's not a very nice thing to say about the Bible. Well, I was, I was talking about myself, actually. Oh, well, that's well, you. I mean, like, what, what things are in the septic system? It, it's, it's still kind of unkind. Um, but, I mean, like, you know, it's... There's there's lots of analogies that are unkind. We, we we'll we'll get to them. I mean, if we ever get to Jonah, doggone that that guy's got some unkind analogies. He can you know get to him. But what, what am I saying? If we ever get there, we're totally going to get there. Definitely, we, we might be drawing social security by that <laughs> point in time. <laughs> but hey, thanks for spending some time with us here today, and we hope that you uh, you you spend some time reading this stuff and asking some questions. And if you are anywhere within communication range of us. Reach out and ask some questions. We would love to talk about them. Answer them? Maybe. Uh, discuss them? Absolutely. But we really just want to help equip you so that you can uh, continue, continue on your journey as you discover who God is and what he's saying with his, with his Bible that he's given to you. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, and, to be, and if you think that makes you a bad Christian, then I will say it puts a cap on how good of a Christian you can be if you have questions and doubts. Uh, like, for example, somebody... A Christian in history once said, I basically, like my entire Christian life is doubting. And that guy has saint before his name. So, so yeah. you, best you can do, you know, sainthood. Yeah, yeah. It's Okay, so that's, that's your upward limit is being canonized by the Catholic Church. Yeah. Sweet. I, thanks, for, thanks for listening in with us. And we'd love to hear back from you. Share this stuff with the people that you are around. And if you are near somebody who they themselves ask lots of really good questions or there are people who ask good questions and they would probably ask good questions about the Bible if they felt like they had permission, share this stuff with them, man. And have uh, them send us good questions. Yeah, yeah, dude, totally. Send us good questions. Here in a little bit, we'll, we might actually have some sort of like social media handle for you to, to send these things to. And once we have that, we'll actually like be available for that. But again, the first people to listen to this are going to be people who are near us. You have my number, man. Give me a call. Until then, this is the Unimposters podcast. I'm Damien. And I am Andy. And that was the softest voice recognition of a name ever. I, I feel like I need to go to sleep. Don't you. You're driving. Wake up. Wake up.